Hey, welcome back. This is our read aloud with Midtown West fifth grade podcast. And this season, we'll be reading Front Desk by Kelly Yang. If you're listening to this right now, you've probably already listened to the very first episode. There, we were all introduced to Mia. So far, we've learned that her family immigrated here from China, and they're having a hard time making ends meet. Mia's parents were just offered a job at the Cavalista Motel, and their future seems to be brighter. Or, so it seems. Let's jump into chapters 2 and 3 to find out more about Mia's adventure. Chapter 2 The Cavalista Motel sat on the corner of Coast Boulevard and Metal Lane. It was a small motel, the first of three motels in a row. The Topaz Inn and the Lagoon Motel were right next door and bigger, but I immediately decided that I liked our little motel the best. With its creamy walls and red doors, it looked warm and inviting. I looked up at the sign and read the words, Low Rates, Cable TV, Disneyland just five miles away. And excitedly, I asked my parents if that meant that we could go visit. You probably could, my mom said. I smiled, savoring the moment. Our lives were about to change. We were going to become Disneyland-going people. As if things couldn't get any better, the Cavalista had a pool. It was right out in front. The water sparkled under the golden sun. I closed my eyes and pictured myself doing cannonballs in the water all summer long. This was going to be amazing. Just behind the pool was the front office. I'd asked my parents in the car whether I could help out at the front desk. My dad had chuckled and said, we'll see. Mr. Yao was waiting for us in the front office. He buzzed us in and lifted the divider so we could all get behind the front desk. The front desk was a long wooden desk that stretched almost the entire width of the room. Just behind the front office were the manager's quarters where Mr. Yao led us next. There was a living room with a bed in it and he pointed to the bed. You guys sleep there, he said to my parents, so that you can hear the customers in the middle of the night. Uh, Customers come in the middle of the night? My dad asked. Mr. Yao nodded. Of course, it's a motel. Uh, But won't that wake them up? I asked. Mr. Yao rolled his eyes. That's the point, he said. Next, he led us over to the small bedroom just to the right of the living room and the kitchen. The girl can sleep here, Mr. Yao said, and for some reason he still kept calling me the girl, even though I'd already told him my name several times. I put my stuff down in the small bedroom and then joined my parents and Mr. Yao in the front office. Mr. Yao was explaining the buzzer. One wrong buzz and it's all over, he said. See that glass? He pointed to the thick glass enclosing the front office. That's bulletproof glass. You see a bad guy come up and you don't need to worry. They cannot hurt you, but if you press this buzzer, well, and then he put his finger on the buzzer just under the front desk and a loud bzzz roared. That door right there gets unlocked, Mr. Yao said. Um, and then what? I asked him. Well, then he's inside, Mr. Yao said. And I looked around to see if there were any other magical buttons or bulletproof glass inside the office, but there weren't. I asked Mr. Yao how we could tell if someone was a bad guy. 
Well, based on how they look, of course, he said. Which made me wonder, because it's not like bad people walked around with a sticker on their head saying, I'm bad. The bottom line is, don't let in any bad guys, Mr. Yao warned, and his pupils expanded as he said the word, bad. While Mr. Yao took my parents out back to show them the laundry room and the cleaning supplies, I stayed in the front office. I climbed up on top of the front desk stool, and gently I reached down and touched the buzzer with my finger. It was greasy, like it had been pressed hundreds of times. Slowly, I pressed on it and I heard it zap. I pressed it again. Bzzz. 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 Power coursed through my fingertips. I closed my eyes and pictured myself checking customers in. Why, yes, Mrs. Connolly, I'd be glad to show you your room. Right this way, I'd say. Certainly I can help you with your luggage. It would be my pleasure. So deep was I in my fake customer relations that I almost didn't hear it when a real customer walked up and tapped on the front office glass. I looked up to see a thin African-American man, about 50 or so years old, smiling and waving at me. He motioned with his hand for me to buzz him in. Oh yeah, all right, I said, and then I pressed on the buzzer. Buzz. He pushed the door open and walked right in. Just saw Mr. Yao on the lot. You must be the new managers, he said, and he extended his hand across the front desk. Name's Hank. I smiled and took his hand and shook it. I'm Mia. Nice to meet you. He tilted his head to one side. How old are you, Mia? I'm ten, I told him. Say, aren't you a little young to be running this place? He teased me, and I laughed. I liked Hank immediately. I'm helping my parents, I told him. What about you? Do you live here? Sure do, he said and pointed to one of the rooms. That's me right there, number 12. Hank informed me that he wasn't a regular customer, like the kind who stays here just a day or two. He was a weekly, and a weekly is someone who pays, well, by the week. There were five of them at the Cavalista. They were Mrs. Q, Mrs. T, Hank, Billy Bob, and Fred. You'll meet them, he said. They're all really nice people, and I smiled. Do you guys like living here? I asked. Oh, yeah, he said. Well, you know, except for Mr. Yao. Everyone hates Mr. Yao. Really? I asked him. He seems all right. Intense, but he does seem all right. Hank snorted. Trust me, he's anything but all right. Before I could ask Hank what he meant by that, the door creaked open and my parents and Mr. Yao came back in. And when I turned around, Hank was gone. Chapter 3 Sign here on the dotted line, Mr. Yao said to my parents, presenting them with an enormous contract, six pages long. My parents beamed as they proudly signed their names. Mr. Yao took the signed employment contract and stuffed it into his bag. Thank you so much, Mr. Yao, for giving us this opportunity, my father said. You, you don't know how much this means to us. He got choked up as he said the words. We promise we'll take good care of your motel, my mom added. We won't let you down. Mr. Yao nodded and held up the manager's keys to the motel. As my parents reached for the keys, he held them just 
out of reach. Everything that happens in this motel is your responsibility. Do you understand? He asked. Something breaks, you have to pay for it. My parents nodded. Under no circumstances are you ever to leave the motel unattended, ever. One of you must always be behind. Again, my parents nodded eagerly, even though I was thinking, what? I can't go out without both of my parents at the same time. What about Disneyland? But it was condition number three that really made my jaw drop. Mr. Yao turned to me. You cannot use the pool, kid, he said. Well, why not? I asked. Well, if you use the pool, then all the customers will want to use the pool. So? So think of all the water and towels that they would be wasting, he said. It's not good for the environment. I frowned at him. Somehow, I doubted that this was anything to do with the environment. She understands she won't use the pool. Will you, Mia? My mother shook her head at me. I glanced at my mom, at the desperation in her eyes. Oh, okay, I said. Good, Mr. Yao grinned, satisfied. He tossed my parents the keys. That night, the sweet smells of jasmine tea filled the front office. My parents only ever got out the jasmine tea for special occasions. We had packed a small tin of it before we left China, and every time something good happened, my mom would take out a few leaves and make some tea. I guess not a lot of good things had happened because, well, there was still quite a lot left. But all that was about to change. Tonight, my parents poured generously from the tin. The calming aroma brought me back to my grandmother's house. All of us crowded around the table. At these big family dinners, my cousin Shen and I would always giggle and interrupt each other as we talked. I felt an ache in my tummy, razor sharp at the thought of Shen. I still remember the day that I left. I could see Shen's face pressed up against the glass by the security gate at the airport, blinking furiously like he was trying hard not to cry. I was too. On the play ride over, they gave us little packets of butter for our bread. Butter was very expensive in China, so I asked for extras and I put them in my pocket. I saved them for Shen for months in the fridge until it finally sank in that we weren't going back. So I ate them. My mother's voice jerked me back to reality. Hey Mia, look here, look at me, she said smiling. Hmm? I asked. I looked up to see my mother crouching in front of the front desk, holding her hands up like she was going to take a picture. It's this thing she does. My mom says it's important to take pictures of the nice moments in life, even if it's just in your head. As my mom pressed down on her pretend camera, my dad and I sat up straight and gave her our very best smiles. Eggplant! she said in Chinese, and I giggled because even though that's what people in China said, whenever someone took pictures, it was really funny to hear it in America. As my parents unpacked, I slipped out the back to find Hank. I brought him a cup of jasmine tea. Now that we were making $150 a day, well, surely we could afford to buy some more tea. I had seen a Chinese supermarket on the way over here. Hank's room was in the back, beside the laundry room. There was a pot of cherry tomato plants in front of his room, and I knocked on the door. Hank answered on the first knock, and his eyebrows shot up when he saw the tea. That for me? He exclaimed. I smiled and handed it to him. Well, it's from China, I told him. Get out of here! The guy next door opened his door to see what was going on. He was a white guy about the same age as Hank. 
He wore a Hawaiian shirt, and he had a small tattoo of a sailboat on his arm. The smell of popcorn drifted from his room. Billy Bob, Hank said. Meet Mia. She is the new manager, and look, she brought me some tea from China. Good to meet you, Mia, Billy Bob said, extending a hand. I shook it. Pleasure's all mine, I said. Billy Bob smiled, saying, You're a lot nicer than the old manager. The last manager treated us like second-class citizens, Hank added. Really? I asked. Hank nodded. Carefully, he lifted the cup to his lips and took a sip. Oh, this stuff is good! Hank turned to Billy Bob. You've got to try this. More doors opened, and soon all the weeklies were outside, talking and sipping the tea under the glowing crescent. Like Billy Bob, they were white, too. Mrs. Q had long, wavy hair that ran all the way down her back. Fred had a big belly that shook when he laughed, and Mrs. T had glittery cat-reading eyes, which she wore on top of her nose. Hank was right. They were all really nice. The weeklies asked if I wanted to join them for a game of Monopoly, but it was getting late, and I needed to help my parents unpack. I bid them all good night and was about to go back to the manager's quarters when I suddenly remembered, Hey, Hank! What did you mean by when you said earlier about Mr. Yao? I asked that, you know, he was anything but all right. Hank's jaw locked. <sighs> You'll soon find out, kid, Hank said. The man, well, he has coal for a heart.